This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Brewers on Tap. The Brewers on Tap, the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm Lane Grindle, and it's great to have you with us for episode number 41 of Brewers on Tap. And a reminder, you can get involved each and every week with comments or questions to the Brewers with the hashtag Brewers on Tap. Well, here's what we have coming up for you this week on the podcast. It's going to be a good one. We will catch up with Brewers hitting coach Darnell Coles. DC's one of the happiest guys in Major League Baseball, and he's going to give us some great information on the current hitters within the Brewers system, the current Brewers, and of course, some of his philosophies on how he handles the different personalities in every clubhouse when it comes to being a hitting coach. And the Brewers have completed their homestand number one. They went three and three against two clubs. The San Francisco Giants and the Houston Astros, two teams that figure to be in playoff contention this year, so that 3-3 three and three record, certainly nothing to be upset about if you're a Brewers fan. And uh, the Brewers have now embarked upon their first road trip of the season, an eight-game, nine-day trip through St. Louis, Pittsburgh, and Minnesota. One game in the books in that St. Louis trip, it was the St. Louis Cardinals home opener, and it went well for the Cardinals as they downed the Brewers by a final score of 10-1. to Also, coming up on the show, we're going to talk to Sam Freeman, a new Brewer who is off to a little bit of a rough start on the mound for the Brewers as a left-hander that came over in a trade with Texas, but... Sam Freeman's a guy that hopefully can have some nice contributions down the road for the Brewers this season as one of those lefties out of the pen. Very good guy. He's very familiar with Michael Blasick, who's had a very good start to the season for the Brewers as well on the mound in a relief role as well. Okay, it is time for... And now, this week in Brewers history... April 11th, 1975. Baseball's then all-time home run leader, Hank Aaron returns to Milwaukee as a member of the Brewers, and 48,160 fans salute Hank Aaron on Welcome Home Henry Day during the home opener versus Cleveland. It was a 6-2 victory for the Brewers and certainly a great homecoming for a guy that is one of the greats to ever play in the city of Milwaukee. Hank Aaron, one of the greatest to ever play the game, period, our date in Brewers history. All right, let's jump into that first homestand. Opening day against the San Francisco Giants was a 12-3 victory for the Giants. And then the Tuesday night matchup with Johnny Cueto was a good one from Jimmy Nelson, but both games resulted in losses for the Brewers. And then Wednesday, the final game of that three-game series, Taylor Youngman went five strong for the Brewers. They got some big hits in that contest and came away with a victory 
to get the first victory of 2016 and to avoid a sweep at the hands of a team that many believe could potentially represent the National League in the World Series this year in the San Francisco Giants. A day off on Thursday saw the Brewers welcome the Houston Astros to town for a Friday-Saturday-Sunday weekend series at Miller Park. And the Friday night game was a good one as the Brewers jumped out to an early lead. Ryan Braun with a big home run late in the game to give the Brewers some insurance and they would need it as they hold on to win 6-4. A controversial call at the end, the interference rule, the Chase Utley rule, if you will, with the slide to second base by Colby Rasmus. He was not only called out, but a double play was called because of him reaching out and sliding through the bag. The rule, as you look at the new rule with Major League Baseball, you have to make an attempt to stay on the bag. It did not appear that Rasmus did make that attempt, and so the rule was put into place, and that is how the game ended, a 6-4 to victory for the Brewers. Now, if you look at the interpretation of the rule, the umpires got it right. Do you like the rule? That may be a conversation for other people down the road, but the Brewers certainly weren't complaining about the win in the Friday night matchup with the Astros. Saturday saw the Astros get out to a big lead and hold on as Colby Rasmus hit two home runs for the Astros, including a 462-foot shot in that contest. But the Sunday game, a good game, and the Brewers finding a way to get it done. Another great start from Jimmy Nelson. And Jeremy Jeffress came on to get his third save of the season. Then, of course, as we told you already, the St. Louis game on Monday in St. Louis, not a good one for the Brewers as the Cardinals pounded out a bunch of extra base hits in route to a 10-1 victory. Let's catch up with the newest left-hander in the Brewers' bullpen. Let's catch up with the crew. New acquisition, Sam Freeman, our guest on the podcast as uh, the Brewers uh, continue along making up this bullpen. Of course, there's been some injuries as well, but uh, you come over uh, earlier this week to the Milwaukee Brewers, Sam, and how exciting is this opportunity for you? Oh, man, it's, it's great, man. I'm very, very excited for it. I'm looking forward to contributing to the team, helping the team win. You're a lefty, good stuff. What, what, what's been your M.O. in terms of how, how do you like to get guys out? Um, just aggressive with the fastball and then uh, finishing with the split, working on the slider. Um, then just fastball split primarily and just trying to be as aggressive as possible. Your journey through the major league ranks, and, and really uh, until you got to the major league, major league ranks as well, you know, come over from the Rangers, you were in the Cardinals organization. You know, what have you been able to take from each stop along the way that's made you who you are today? Oh, well, man, I, like, I, like while I was there, I, was, I paid attention, paid a lot of attention to the veterans you know, with both organizations and then you know, just try and just see how they go about their business and then just how professional they are. And then I would say that's probably the main thing. And you had a chance to get to know Blazik pretty well. Yeah, Blaze, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah played with him since 2008 from 2008 to 2013 when he got traded over so uh he's a familiar one of the uh familiar faces that i saw coming over here was he one of the first guys you reached out to after you got the news uh well no like i, I played junior college baseball with chase anderson so uh he shot a text like when i got the news i was it was full steam ahead i had to finish packing up and then a whole bunch of things running through so i didn't talk to uh blaze until i got here uh wednesday morning when, when transactions happen like this, obviously there's probably a lot of different emotions that you have, but familiarity with guys has to make that a little bit easier for you. Oh, yeah, it'll definitely help with the transition, you know. Um, yeah, being being a new guy isn't – isn't uh, it's not uh, very much fun at first, you know, <laughs> so having some, having some familiar faces definitely uh, eases the transition for sure. Derek Johnson, the pitching coach, how much time have you been able to spend with him so far, and, and, and how does that – 
we keep talking about transition, but that's part of it, right? How does that work typically? Does he kind of let you do your thing and then as it goes along, offer some tweaks? Or do you jump right into his philosophy? Um, I um, met him on Wednesday morning, threw a side, and then we just kind of went over a plan of how we would work together throughout the course of my time here. And, uh, yeah, just I I think it's going to be kind of feeling each other out as far as the season goes. I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to working with him. You're a younger guy. This is a, a younger clubhouse. Is it, is it fun to be in, in a youthful clubhouse like this one? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like coming in, you can just feel the energy, you know. It's, yeah, it's definitely fun. I'm looking forward to being a part of it. Who are some of the guys in the bullpen that you've taken to beyond Blaze, who you obviously knew already? Oh, we well, yeah, just uh, had a conversation with Blaine. Uh, played yesterday with Cap. Uh, so, well, played against Will for pretty much my entire career, you know. Yeah. Good, like, familiar with Jeffers from playing against him with both him and Will from playing against him with the Cardinals. So it's familiarity with a good amount of guys so far. Or Thornburg played against him for quite a while. It's, we're in the same AAA, so I'm familiar with a good amount of guys here. Miller Park, what's been your impression of this ballpark so far? Oh, I like it, man. It's fun. Definitely appreciate the dome. Uh, thankful for it. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I like it, man. This is, this is I enjoy playing here from my time in St. Louis. So being able to have this as a home Home park, I'm definitely enjoying it. Looking forward to it. All right, since you're one of the newer guys in the, in the locker room, newer guys to the fans, give us some some personal stuff. What what, what does Sam Freeman like to do in his downtime? Oh, uh, hang out with my wife and my, my little one, my little daughter. Uh, yeah, watch uh, Broken Skull Challenge, <laughs> Stone Cold, uh, the Broken Skull Ranch, man. Uh, binge watch that quite a bit. Watch Netflix and stuff, just hang out. You know, I don't, I don't do too much. Your family, when you know, obviously that's that's always tough. The baseball life, from that standpoint. So, how, how do you guys maximize the time you guys get? Oh, this is well. This is new. Um, daughter's four months old, so we're we're trying to figure that out. You know, trying to just kind of <laughs> just kind of see how that ends up playing out. You uh, getting any sleep? Oh yeah, she she, she sleeps well. She sleeps great. You know, uh, you're lucky. You realize that, right? I have four, and none of them slept great. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely not taking that for granted. You know, but uh, yeah, I do. I do get. Good night's sleep. Any other hobbies? Uh, hanging out with the family. That's that's pretty much it, man. I, yeah, I'm I'm pretty boring off the field, you know. So that's that okay. Simple. Yes, that sir. that makes that makes it easy to focus when you're on the field. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Sam, we appreciate it. Welcome to the club. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Our thanks to Sam Freeman, soft-spoken guy, but a really good guy, and you can tell he'll fit in well in this clubhouse. Well, let's get in the classroom with Sabermetrics 101. Time to get a bit nerdy. We're going to talk about defensive runs saved. Almost any broadcast that you tune to these days in the major leagues is talking about defensive runs saved. It's a big-time statistic. The Kansas City Royals have made it a big deal. The Houston Astros have made it a big deal. Some of the great defensive teams out there get a lot of run because of the defensive runs saved. The Toronto Blue Jays, another great example of that as well. But defensive runs saved is becoming a very big part of the everyday conversation in Major League Baseball. It measures a defender's ability, whether or not his skills will help the pitcher or essentially hurt the pitcher. And it goes beyond just errors and assists, which are kind of typical ways that we've monitored or measured defense in the past. It tells you a lot more about the defender's range. It's very similar in form to another sabermetric term, which is ultimate zone rating, UZR. The formula is different, but the concept is similar. Time to look at the future of the Brewers. Checking in on the farm. 
All right, time to look at the future. The AAA Colorado Sky Sox are off to a 2-3 and three start in the Pacific Coast League. Outfielder Michael Reed, who's one of the top prospects in the Brewers system, doing some nice things early on. He's 7 for 19. That's a 368 average with a double and two RBI. And Orlando Arcia, who is the number one prospect basically across every publication for the Milwaukee Brewers. And he's off to a good start. 6 of 20 at the plate. That's a 300 average with an RBI. And on the mound, Zach Davies worked five innings and allowed four hits and an earned run in his first start of the season. Could see Zach Davies up at the big league club sooner rather than later. The double-A Biloxi Shuckers are chock full of prospects, and Brett Phillips has enjoyed a strong start to 2016 for the 4-1 Shuckers. Phillips is 6-for-19. That's a 316 average, two doubles, a home run, and six driven in. Nate Orff is playing second base and leads the team in hits with seven. Jorge Ortega and Josh Hader have both been very productive on the mound as Ortega, right-hander, worked six strong innings in his first start, allowing a single run on six hits, while Hader, the lefty, pitched four innings of two-hit shutout baseball in his only appearance so far of the season in double-A. High A Brevard County is just two and three, but received a strong start from right-handed pitcher Bubba Derby earlier in the week. The young pitcher acquired with Jacob Nottingham the Chris Davis trade through five and two-thirds innings of five-hit shutout baseball against the Fort Myers Miracle on Monday night. Class A Wisconsin's had a very unique start to the season. They're one and four, but have seen their home opener get postponed due to snow, and another game in Bloit get called after five innings due to snow. Both Miguel Diaz and John Perrin have offered up strong pitching on the mound in their only starts. Both went five innings, allowed a single run, while Isan Diaz continues to turn heads as a future star middle infielder in the Brewers system. He's gone four for 13, a double a home run, and two driven in for the Timber Rattlers. All right, let's talk some hitting. Let's break it down. Darnell Coles, the hitting coach for the Brewers, our guest as we break it down. Darnell, great to have you with us first and foremost. But, D.C., how have you felt about the early work with this club through spring training and the early portions of the season? Well, I think it was uh, a fantastic spring training. Domingo Santana came in uh, ready to go. Scooter came in ready to go. Getting Bronny healthy was huge. Jonathan Lucroy uh, got a lot of work done in the offseason, and uh, he's, he's ready to go. Um, just getting a feel for uh, Aaron Hill and what he does and how he goes about his work and what he needs daily to make sure that he's right. Chris Carter uh, the same way. So we've got a, uh, a good group of, of both young guys and veteran guys that uh, has allowed us to be a more athletic lineup. Uh, we can do a few more things, obviously, hitting and running and, and being able to do some things that counts wants to put in play. So uh, spring training went great, and, and as for the first week of the season, I think that um, swinging the bat-wise, we've been good. I think uh, the consistency of um, going deeper in counts has been better, but I think that uh, with runners in scoring position, we left a few too many guys on base. Uh, we've had a few guys out there, and uh, we've and it's not that uh, we haven't gotten guys in. I think that it's more getting a good pitch to hit, making sure that uh, you're, get, you're giving yourself a chance. I think in a, in a couple instances we hit into a couple different double plays early in the count where we swung at pitches on the edges instead of getting a pitch up out over the plate that you could do some things with. But overall, I, I'm enthusiastic about this group and looking forward to working with them all year long. You mentioned the veterans and the young guys. And when you have a mix like that, as a hitting coach, I'm sure that's interesting because uh, some of those veterans, they've been doing things a certain way for a long time, and maybe some of the younger guys are impressionable and you can – 
you can see something that you want to tweak with them. How, how does that balance work between veterans and younger guys in terms of how you approach them? Well, I, I think you you hit it dead on the head. I think that uh, you know you have some older guys that are kind of setting their ways as to how they do things and had success. So again, those things you don't want to change. But again, if you've got some guys that have struggled, or uh, you get a little older and you try and do some things where where your um, your reflexes aren't quite as, as as good as they were before, so you're trying to cheat on a certain pitch or do some certain things. Uh, that uh, make you susceptible to off-speed and, and, and changing the speed. So I think that the, the younger group, uh, as far as uh, making sure that we, we keep our approach up the middle the other way and then make adjustments off that will allow us to, A, uh, not swing at pitches on the edges, but most importantly, get pitches on the plate and, and do damage uh, with those pitches. I think when you get 3-0, 3-1, when you're assured that you're going to get a certain pitch, you just want to make sure that you're in position to, to hit those pitches and put them in play. Because, again, when you get to 3-2, uh, it kind of swings back into the pitcher's favor, and then he can kind of uh, move the ball around a little more and, and kind of play on your aggressiveness. So uh, we've been real good at, about taking pitches. Uh, we've been real good about uh, going deeper into counts. Uh, but once we get in to running, runners in scoring position, uh, type deals. I just want to make sure that we're we're aggressive in the strike zone, but I want to make sure that uh, we get a pitch that we can handle and do damage with. When an acquisition's made in the off season, or even if, if one's made in the middle of the season, what's your process? Is the first thing you do to go get film on those guys and to study up on them, or do you want to wait, talk to them first, and then start making judgments? Well, I think it's a combination of uh, you call the hitting coach that they had before and, and try and get some dialogue there. You know, what's he do? What's, a, what's his routine? You know, what kind of person is he? Is he somebody that's easy approachable? You know, because you want them when they come over, you want to make them as comfortable as you possibly can. Then you want to look at video uh, and make sure that uh, what you're getting and what you're seeing is the same thing uh, that he feels like he's seeing or feeling. So, uh, but most importantly, the communication between the two, making sure that between him, Jason, and me, that we're all on the same page as to what he's what he's doing, why he's doing it, what position, what information that he wants and needs, so that uh, we can put him in the best possible position to 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 be successful daily. Is there an art to talking to a guy, making a few key points, but also not overloading them with information? Is is that something that you that you try to be conscious of, or is it a situation where as much information, the better? Well, I think in some people's uh, situation, uh, you know, you give them more than enough information to kind of take what they need. Some guys wanted as simple as possible. Last year, Adam Lynn just wanted to know what a pitcher's velocity was and, and what kind of out pitch he had. That's it. He didn't want to know anything else, and obviously he ended up having a great year, and uh, uh, we ended up seeing him later in the year uh, in Seattle. So I want to make sure that we play that we play that. Uh, philosophy uh, to, a, to a fault to him so we know what he's looking for and how he's looking for we just want to make sure that he doesn't get pitches too damaged with but I think in, in the big picture though each individual guy has his own needs I got to make sure that uh, I can uh, dig deep into those and make sure that I can keep it as simple as possible because I don't want to overload them with too much information but I got to make sure they get enough information that allows them to be successful. Chris Carter is one of the really fun guys to watch take batting practice just incredible strength and is able to go the other way with it doesn't always have to square a ball up to get a ball out of there with his power what are the things you've seen with him and what are you pleased about with his approach right now 
Well, I think the, the power is something that uh, we all know is there. Uh, the consistency of the power showing up uh, every day is just going to be based on uh, us making sure that he, his body and, and his, his lower body and his upper body stay connected throughout his swing. Sometimes you can get disconnected where you're, you're not in the strike zone as long as you want to on pitches middle away. So now you end up pulling off the ball or hooking balls down in the left field corner. So I just want to make sure that when he's attacking the ball, he gets back to a center position so that his lower half leads his swing so that he's able to see and stay through the ball on the outer half. And if we do that, the consistency will show up every day and uh, he'll get a chance to put up some big numbers. Darnell Coles, hitting coach, our guest here on the podcast. Colin Walsh is an interesting guy. I really love talking to him about his approach at the plate because he seems to have a very good understanding of what it is he has to do to be successful at the plate. And he talks about the strike zone changing for him depending upon the count. Is that pretty typical for most guys? And would you say he's a leg up from some guys you've worked with in that regard? Well, I think in his case, because he switch hits, he gets he gets he doesn't have pitches breaking away from him. They're always breaking into him. So I think he has that uh, advantage. I think that uh, too, uh, he's shown throughout his minor league career that he can take pitches that are questionable. And because he doesn't moan about a whole lot of things when it comes to that or look back at the umpire, you generally get calls that some other guys don't get. So I think he has a, a great understanding of the strike zone from both sides of the plate. I think that uh, his on-base percentage and walk percentage and strikeout percentages based on those percentages uh, are phenomenal, and we just want to keep him there. His thought process is uh, what it is. It works for him, and I just want to make sure that I can keep him there as long as I can. All right, let's take some questions from some Twitter followers. This is always dangerous, but we'll make sure that we get good ones that have some some actual substance to them. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, this one from Reggie. This is a good question. He says, how have you been able to get the Brewers hitters to show so much patience in their at-bats so far this year? Well, I think it's a, it's a mindset where you're playing for the guy next to you. The group is, is connected throughout. Uh, your, uh, your guys are making sure that they get guys over so the next guy gets them in and uh, let each individual guy do his job. And they bought into that. I think that uh, getting on base is important so that it allows us the opportunity to score more runs. And so far, so good. It worked in spring training. Obviously, it's worked so far. In the early part of the season, we just got to clean up a few things with runners in scoring position, but overall, I feel pretty good about it. I think my favorite part about this is reading some of these Twitter handles. This is can't win, not thinking. <laughs> and they ask, how are you going to reduce the strikeout rate and increase the hitting percentage? Well, I, I, I think it's, it's twofold. It's guys buying into uh, the thought process that, that it's not okay to strike out. I think that uh, you have some teams, the San Francisco Giants, uh, to name one, uh, the Kansas City Royals, to name another, that uh, have bought into the fact that striking out isn't part of their DNA, so they strike out less. And the more balls you put in play, the better your chances are that you're going to be successful. Um, so uh, when it comes to our guys, again, we have a young group, but we have some veteran guys that are sprinkled in there that understand how to play and know how to play the game. And, and we just want to make sure that those guys lead by example. And so far, so good. Uh, the young guys are following suit. Brew Crew Critic asks, which MLB swing would you have a young hitter try to emulate? Well, I think each individual guy should be who they are. I don't think there's any one set guy uh, that I think anybody should emulate. But I think if there's a hitter that is special um, that's not on our team, because we have a few, would be a Miguel Cabrera. I think that he's a guy that understands uh, what he needs daily as far as his work goes. 
He understands what he needs daily as far as his game preparation. And when he gets in the game, uh, he's an RBI machine. He doesn't miss. He understands uh, how guys are pitching him. He pays attention to detail, and, and that always shows up in the game. I've got two more. Thomas asks, what have you done with Scooter Jeanette to improve him so much against left-handed hitting so far? Stayed out of his way. I think that uh, Scooter has always said emphatically that he can hit lefties. I had him in the minor leagues as a manager and as the hitting coordinator, uh, and, I, and I concur. I think that uh, he has uh, shown uh, that he's more than willing to put the work in, that he uh, goes in the cage every day and, and has his prep work done and understands uh, the, the thought process of, of paying attention to detail, looking at pitchers, seeing what they do, seeing what their weaknesses are, and kind of playing off those. If there's a pitcher that, that throws a lot of uh, first pitch uh, strikes or is around the strike zone, he's aggressive early in the count. So, again, uh, he's uh, got off to a great start, had a great spring training, and uh, I just look forward to watching him throughout the year because uh, he can do some special things. And this is a good one, Nine Papel. Nine Papel, that was the name asks who would win in a home run derby between you and Jason Lane. I think Jason Lane would, and, uh, and, and the reason being is that I just saw a swing a couple days ago, and he hit a ball uh, in Mississippi when we played our double-A double team in Biloxi a long ways, and I, uh, I, I bow. You know, I, I tip my cap to him. I'm too old to be blowing out my back. So uh, in, in that case, I will defer to Jason. I think it was crushed. It was, it was crushed. He, I mean, he, he threw us all for a loop. The first ball he hit over the first base dugout, and then the next ball he hits out of the stadium in left center field. So uh, it was fun to watch and very impressive. And like I said, I tip my cap to him. I know that's something that uh, I couldn't do. Hey, DC, one final question from me, and that is we see everybody shifting these days. What do you tell guys about the mental side of that and about where their opportunities are when teams put a shift on them? Well, I think uh, you have to uh, stick to your strengths. And irregardless of what uh, those uh, shifts are, a lot of times the shift is for you to change what you're doing, and then they pitch you the same. So um, you just got to stay within yourself, uh, get a good pitch to hit, don't miss it, and, and not pay attention to all the movement and all the things that are going on out there because a lot of that stuff is just made to kind of throw you off your game to kind of get you to do something that uh, you you haven't done, you know, like trying inside out a ball down the right field corner when you're used to stand up the middle and pulling the ball. So um, you've got to look at that stuff to a certain degree because obviously it's part of the game, but uh, stick to your strength and you'll be fine. Darnell, we appreciate it. Thanks, Lane. Appreciate it. DC's one of the best guys you'll find in the game. We're certainly lucky to have him in Milwaukee. What's coming up? Here's what's on tap with the Brewers. Here's what is on tap with the Brewers. It is an exciting promotion. It's the five-county, five-day celebration. You can save 50% on tickets during this five-county, five-day celebration. It goes Wednesday, April 20th through Sunday, April 24th. It's the annual promotion and it's half price tickets for the cruise interleague matchup against the twins april 20th and thursday april 21st and the weekend showdown with the phillies friday april 22nd through sunday april 24th it should be fun we hope that you'll come out for it and again five county five day celebration half price tickets for the entire homestand those games again wednesday at 7 10 thursday at 12 40 Friday at 7.10, Saturday at 6.10, Sunday at 1.10, and again, the homestand going from April 20th through Sunday, April 24th. Four tickets, call 
That's 414-902-4000 or visit brewers.com slash five county. Well, that's it for the week. Thanks to our guests, Darnell Coles and Sam Freeman. I'm Lane Grindle. Thanks for listening to Brewers on Tap. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.